0: Good morning. This is Elise Bowie with the Maximum Mom podcast, and I am here today. And of course, I'm probably going to mess up her name again, but it's Bumi Eminonjo. Did I do it right that
1: time? Yes, you did. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Good. I love that. She and I were joking about our, our names. You know, I have all the vowels, so that always gets messed up. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course. And thank you for having me. I am really looking forward to having this conversation with you.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm just so excited. Well, first, I always like to know tell us a little bit about your family. Who is the part that makes you the mom in all of this?
1: Yeah. So I have three kids two boys and a girl. My oldest is 13. My daughter is 11. And my youngest is going to be 10. Ah, I'm like my baby. <laughs> he's going to be 10 next month so i am just uh wrapping my head around the fact that you know they're all in like double digits and i remember the day i brought him home (laughs) you know and then we have a fur baby our dog shadow he's a black russian terrier and he is three years old he's a big boy he's if you Google Black Russian terrorists, they're huge. But he's a, a gentle giant. So oh,
0: that's awesome. Do the kids just love having a dog?
1: Oh yes. Yeah, they do. I I mean, we brought him home when he was about uh, maybe five, six weeks old. And so, yeah, he's been with our family since he was a baby and they just love it. And I have to say they're very responsible. Like they feed him and take him on like that's their dog. They take him on walks and everything. So that's been really helpful that where (laughs) (laughs) my husband and I are not the ones, you know, carrying all the burden as far as taking care of the dog's concern. Absolutely.
0: Oh yeah. I think it's huge. And I think it helps kids learn responsibility.
1: It does. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about what is your lawyer part of all this as
1: well. Yes. So I work for the federal government. I'm an ethics attorney. So I do uh, government ethics work. And so which is really interesting and um, challenging in the sense that I get to see different types of issues every day. I did not start off as an ethics attorney. I actually have a science background. I graduated from uh, University of Maryland uh, with a bachelor's in cell biology and genetics, uh, which I don't use at all now. (laughs) It's so random, but you and I were talking about, you know, before we got on that, you know, I'm Nigerian American. And so growing up, it was like, you're either a doctor or, you know, an engineer. And that was where the undergrad degree came from, because that was the the plan, according to my parents, was to go to medical school. But that changed and I ended up going to law school. Oh, well, you bucked the system. (laughs) I did. (laughs) I did, yeah. But, you know, I truly believe that no experience goes to waste because now I'm able to bring my science background and my legal background and use that at work. You know, I worked at the FDA for a few years, you know, so that was like a perfect marriage of the two. Yeah, so I, yeah, everything happens for a reason. No experience goes to waste, so. Absolutely.
0: Now, how has it been being an ethics attorney in the federal government for the last, I don't know, several years <laughs> that have been interesting?
1: It's been interesting.
0: <laughs>
1: Actually,
0: That's it. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Interesting. Yeah, interesting it's- is always good at work.
1: Yeah, I know it's it's challenging work. It's not boring, you know. So, yeah, it's it's been uh, rewarding in the sense that it's helped me, you know, grow and not just the past four years, just my experience as an ethics attorney in general. You know, it's just helped me grow as an attorney. So no complaints there.
0: Yeah, I find ethics. I mean, Obviously, ethics are just so important in what we do. And I mean, I think the, the privilege we have of having a legal license and the work we do. I mean, I think ethics have to be just really the top of mind in everything we do. And that being said, I find, you know, when I find myself in a situation where I'm reviewing the ethics again, which I feel like I do a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. as a law firm owner, things will come up and I'm like, okay, well, let me look at the ethics and, you know, in typical legal fashion, they're not crystal clear. (laughs) You know, you look at these things and you're like, oh yeah, we're squarely in the gray mush right here in the middle of these, you know, and then you've kind of really got to navigate what you think. And I I find ethics to be just fascinating when you, you find yourself in the gray mush and, you know, trying to figure out what's right. How do these fit together? You know, Mm -hmm. how does it fit with your exact situation, you know, and really trying to do what's right. It often is challenging analytically, I find.
1: Right, And but the good thing is, you know, depending on whether you're in the federal government or in the private sector, there are rules and policies and place to help guide us. So,
0: yeah, it's been really helpful. And to have like ethics counsel, you know, we at the Washington State Bar, we have an ethics hotline we can reach out to, which I have found mm-hmm. really helpful, you know, over the years. Well, now tell us about your entrepreneurial journey, because I know that's the fun
1: one. Yes, that's the fun <laughs> Well, they're fun but well, this is like my my heart you know yeah so yeah atlas book club we are a book subscription books company and we're focused on globally diverse children's books and so what we do is when you subscribe to an atlas book club box you get box with a book, along with materials to immerse the child in the culture of the country being featured. Because every month we experience a different country. So we have four age groups, so we try to accommodate different age groups and different reading levels. So our youngest is our hatch box, and you'll you not, notice a, a bird theme here. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have our hatch box, which is like picture books, and then we have our nest junior, which is for kids seven to nine years old. We have our nest, which is nine to eleven years old. So that's like our middle grade our chapter books, and then we have our SOAR books, which is for 13-year-old and above, which is young adult books. And so the idea is, you know, allowing every child to be able to, one, see themselves represented in the books that they read, hence why we visit different countries and experience different cultures, and to also travel to different cultures and countries. You know, so we've, we launched in November of 2019 and I believe we've explored 21 countries so far. It's, I know it's, and I, I love that we, we've touched on almost every continent. So for example, in December, we explored Poland and in January this month, we explored China and India, but then we've also explored countries that folks are not really thinking about like, I'm gonna go to the library and get a book set in Turkey. Nobody really is really thinking that at (laughs) least, unless of course you have like, you know, Turkish relatives or ancestry. (laughs) So we've explored Turkey, Iran, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, Kenya, Nigeria. I mean, I, I could go on like, so it's been, it's been a great experience. That's amazing. Your company, are they writing the books?
0: Are you bringing in other books as well? Like I think of the, the SOAR group. Do you bring them sometimes books that have already been written about that country or are your
1: books all original? So we don't have any, so we're not a publishing uh, house. Yeah. So, but then that's what I love about, because someone asked me, you would just start a publishing house or a publishing company. I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, who knows what's in the (laughs) plans in the future. But what I love about this is we bring in different books from different publishing houses okay. from different parts of the world, right? So it's like we're giving folks access, right. you know, to these books that they are not necessarily finding in their library or right. the kids are not seeing these books in their school library or in the shelves in their classrooms, you know? And so that's what we're doing is giving them Access. And what I love about this too is the companies that are doing the publishing houses that are doing this work. And by this work, I mean, you know, featuring diverse voices by own voices, the companies doing that work are this small independent publishing houses, so I love the fact that we can support them, support all these authors and illustrators from different backgrounds and so yeah it's it's fun
0: <laughs> I mean it's amazing, and the opportunities for children to be able to see themselves. In all these places, doing different things, I just think, I mean, that's life changing for so many children who don't necessarily even see themselves as these things, doing different things or, you know, exploring these different
1: countries. And and that's the experience that we've recreated in our boxes. We want to recreate the travel experience. So if you're traveling to, say, India. You know, that's one of the countries we featured this month. If you're traveling to India, for example, when you travel, what do you do? Maybe you want to learn a little bit about the culture so you have some context when you get there, right? When you get there, you explore the culture, the food, you know, with the festivals of that country. You get a postcard. That's another thing you get in the box. So in the box, you get a you get a postcard and you can send that postcard to your loved ones because that's what you do when you travel, right? And then you also get a culturally relevant souvenir that's locally sourced. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that comes in the boxes too. Actually, I, I should have had a box here, but I'll show you some of the souvenirs which I had on here so this was one of the souvenirs that came in our Nigeria box and it's uh the relevance is like this cowrie shells and cowrie shells have a lot of history in West Africa in general because they were used as currency for a very long time so the kids will get this in their box but then they also get a note explaining the relevance of that souvenir so when I say that it's an immersive it's, it's really an immersive experience and um and 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 then we have the map. You can see the map right behind me. (laughs) They get a map where they can track their travels, you know, because they get a little sticker. So, for example, this month, they'll get an India sticker. They can put it on there. Next month, for Black History Month, we're exploring Black stories. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But we're exploring the United States. They get a USA sticker. And so hopefully the goal is that eventually their map is covered with different colored stickers representing the countries they've explored. That is just, it's truly,
0: I mean, what an amazing just well thought out. I just love it. I mean, who are your partners? Like, I mean, when you're looking to market to people, I mean, I obviously just like families, just regular families, but I Mm. mean, have you, do you market as well to like schools or homeschool programs or, you know, things like
1: that? So that's the direction we're heading now. So uh, most of our market has been families, individual families mm-hmm. who now, because I know a lot of parents are very conscious about diversifying their children's library and the books, you know, in their homes. So we have that. But then we also market to homeschoolers, you know, because and in fact, I had a lady cat cat. Khan. She's an attorney to a homeschooling parent who came on uh, the Atlas Facebook page and we interviewed her and she talked about how she uses an Atlas book club box as part of her homeschooling curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. She uses it for uh, social studies and geography and it serves as a jumping off point because there's so much information in the box. And she's like, my lesson plan is already plan for me my <laughs> please i mean i was yeah. a home
0: Mom, for a decade. And oh, nice. about yeah. it, I mean, I would literally turn this into an entire thing. We would cook the food of that place. The kids would go figure out like the ingredients we needed. We would turn it into math because I always turn cooking into math. Like, you know, but and then all the cultural pieces. And then we would read. We'd probably end up doing arts and crafts as well, making some of the things. And and then I have one child who'd always go off into animals, so we'd have to learn about all the animals in that region and their, you know, their climate and how the climate impacts like their farming. I mean, it would be I, I could totally see these boxes in the homeschool world in a way that is hugely relevant, and especially how you have all the different age groups because yes. that is such a tricky piece when you're homeschooling. Is I mean, at the time, you know, I had four children was catching all those age groups and yeah. making sure that it was relevant to everybody's age group. And so I just think it is an amazing
1: resource for homeschool families. Yeah. Thanks. And that's what, that was, what was important with the age groups uh, for us. Cause a lot of thought, I mean, you know, I, I guess this is where my perfectionism <laughs> helped me out. <laughs> It's not always a good thing, but anyway, story for another day, but there, every single thing there's a lot of intention that goes into it. So with the ages, for example, so we have our picture, but I said picture books are for everyone. Like I love picture books, you know, and I, uh, I, I love good picture books. And then, but our next age up that's seven to nine, but then we have an overlap nine to 12. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I had one parent contact me yesterday. Her daughter is eight years old and she was like, Oh, well uh, my daughter's eight, but she's an advanced reader guess what? She can read the nine to 12 year old because that's chapter books uh, that are perfect for middle grade, but still appropriate in subject matter for an eight year old. So like Harry Potter books, for example, will fall into that nine to 12. And then our seven to nine is that tricky age where kids are kind of more independent readers. So they're getting out of the picture books, but they're not quite ready for those middle grade chapter books. So in that age group, we have Chapter books, I mean, sorry, picture books that have a little bit more complex text, for example, or will have easy chapter books. And when I say easy chapter, those early reader right. type of chapter books. Again, still set in a different country or featuring a, a different culture. So that's the amount of uh, intention. We put so much intention into it because we want your kids to be able to move up or down based on their reading and there's no shame in it. You know, you just pick a reading level where you are. And the hope is you're reading interesting, fun stories that encourages your love of reading as a child.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's just amazing. Now, so can people do this? Like if, let's say I wanted to provide this to some of my team members who have younger children, you know, in my law firm, would I buy a subscription for the whole year?
1: Do you do it monthly? Mm -hmm. What
0: does that look like?
1: So we have three different types of subscriptions. You can do a monthly where you pay every month or you renews, auto renews every month and you get a box every month. Or you can do something we call a three month prepay where you prepay for three months. You get a little bit of a discount because you're prepaying and then you still get either way you get a box every month. But it's just a matter of how do you want to pay and how often does it auto renew? We have a lot of parents go with our six-month prepay because that's where you get the best value, right? right? That's the incentive. And so that way they're only getting charged twice a year. Now, the other thing we do have and that I encourage people to do is check out our past boxes because I know – There, you know, some people are hesitant about committing to a subscription plan, you know, if they don't know the product. I get that. You know, but you can buy a pass box, see if you like it. I know parents who've asked me, well, I don't know if my child is should be Nest Junior or Nest, then I say just buy one of each, try it out, and then I can tell you. Most parents who buy pass boxes come back and get a subscription. Yes, sure. Yeah, because they love, they love it. I mean, it's my product, maybe I'm biased, but, <laughs> well, but you know.
0: I think you should be biased because it just yeah. seems like such an amazing product. And it allows us parents, and just like you and I were talking about before we started, uh-huh. I mean I was commenting about, you know, how my parents literally were like, You either be a doctor or a lawyer and I those were the options. And yeah. just don't have enough broad cultural reach, you know, in our day to day world so much of the time. And I think I think it's becoming better. I don't mean to say that what happened, you know, 50 years ago when I grew up is the norm now. Clearly, I think we are making some progress. But I think the more intentional all of us as parents can be, the better that is for all of our children. And I mean, You know, this is something I would love to share with my team members. I can't wait to have grandchildren. I'm going to just be boxing the world. I love it. What a great gift for a grandparent to share with a grandchild. And it's something that they could either have at their own home. So when the child comes, it's something they could do together and enjoy. And I mean, you think of all the rich conversations that grandparents who might have visited some of these places, you know, during their lives, in their travel, to be able to share some of those
1: experiences. And I, I say our boxes are great conversation starters, mm. you know, especially with a, a lot of uh, things that happened in the country last year, right. you know, and there was an uptick in parents looking for, well, how, you know, do I raise my child in an anti racist parenting? manner or approach you know how do i do that and there was a lot of questions and people i a lot of people are really trying you know to do that and books are a great tool to do that i see all the time that children's books well children's books authors they've done the work you know the authors have done the work they've especially that's one of the reasons why i love picture books because they've provided the language already you know to have this discussions about diversity with your child. Right. And it doesn't have to be a big, you know, let's sit down and this is what's going on. You know, <laughs> You yeah. know, I think it doesn't have, yes, there are some, I, I don't want to downplay that. There are some instances that do require that type of conversation. Sure. But if you're having those conversations about different cultures and different types of people, Every day that it becomes so interwoven into the DNA of your family, then when it's time to have that big conversation, it's not that big of a deal. And children's books are such an easy way to do. I mean, they've done the work. I mean, we've done the work even more by providing you all this stuff. (laughs) And I say all the time that we as parents, we show our children what we value, we really? teach them what we value by where we spend our money, the stuff we bring into our home, and we've shown them that books are important because from the time that we're pregnant, his moms were reading them a book, or you know, we're saying, "What are you doing? Go get a book!" Like we, they know that books are important. Now, the types of books that we select shows where our values lie, Absolutely. you know, and, and I say all the time that, you know, reading a bedtime story to your child as a parent, I know for me, that's one of the most intimate things you can do as a parent. Absolutely. Now oh. just imagine using that moment to read a book set in China or a book set in Iran or a book set in South Africa, how impactful that would be. Oh, you huge
0: i think i mean as a homeschool mom and i homeschooled mostly when we lived in new orleans you know in Mm -hmm. new orleans is a very multicultural kind of city and so we very much used not only books but i mean i have food we were big into you know multicultural food and we would go explore places or cook things. I mean, I have, you know, butchered some some recipes, but I mean, we've made some amazing food from other cultures. And I found that was such a fun way to help the kids understand, you know, about other cultures, what other cultures valued, you know, how certain food rituals or, you know, um, festivities and holidays Mm -hmm. would come into things. And yeah, I think it's all so important. And it's so interesting. I mean, I I remember just so many things we did. And then when the hurricane hit Hurricane Katrina, we ah. ended up evacuating to rural Georgia. And that was such a shock to our whole family mm. because it was very not multicultural. Like it was literally just this, either you were Caucasian or you were African-American. And that was like mm. the end of the demarcation. And there was very mm-hmm. little crossover. And my children Mm -hmm. were just like, this is such a different place to live. And I was like, oh yeah, it's very different. And it was that multicultural piece that really was lacking in the area we lived in. Yeah. Yeah, And these boxes allow that, they allow that multicultural exposure. I mean, regularly, every single month they can learn about a different place. as a guild member you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth for a limited time only the maximum lawyer and minimum time program will be offered for free to all new guild members join us by going to maxlawguild.com
1: i want to highlight you know because we uh say at atlas like our mission is three pronged Uh, i know i have i'm an attorney right prongs good grief (laughs) So three prong. So the first, of course, is to allow kids to see themselves represented. Kids of color to see themselves represented, and we we put that in there specifically because the representation of ch- of diverse characters. His main characters in children's book is abysmal. It's it's oh, ridiculously low. Absurd. So this allows kids of color to see themselves represented in mul- different types of books in different genres. Uh, the other that we've talked about is allows you know all kids to travel to different parts of the world. But the third part that I want to highlight, because when you were talking about multiculturalism, is that our boxes allow kids to experience the diversity within cultures, because I think that's super important. And yeah, yeah and, and and there's a TED Talk by Chimamanda Adichie. I talk about this so much because I love her and you I love do. that talk. <coughs> uh, excuse me. And that talk, she talks about the danger of a single story. Have you heard that? Yeah. I see you nodding. Yeah. Right. Oh, and yeah. so for those who haven't seen it, she says the danger with the single stories, which are essentially stereotypes, yeah. it allows the presumption or it allows people to believe that that is the only story. Right. And so what we try to do with our boxes is showcase diversity within cultures and just show kids that, okay, for example, South Africa, when people think about South Africa, they think of Apathy and Nelson Mandela, but South <laughs> Africa has so many so rich. Much more. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we try to showcase. And we do that with, you know, the books that we select. So a good example, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, this is a good one. Our, in December we explored Poland and we explored specifically Jewish stories set in Poland. And so I believe our Nest junior box, the book that we selected, it's called, oh gosh, what is it called? A Poem for Peter, and it was written by Andrea Pinckney, an African-American author, and it was about this book called uh, Snowy Day, I don't know if you've heard, it's like oh, yeah. this history, okay. you've heard of Snowy Day. Yeah. Well, the author of Snowy, so the, the, for those who don't know, Snowy Day is about this little African-American boy playing in the snow. And I think it was written back in the 70s, maybe, and uh, or maybe late, I can't remember, but a long time ago. <laughs> and, it's a, and it's the first book to showcase an African-American child right. on the cover of a picture book. And so uh, the author is a Polish-American immigrant. Ezra Jack Keats is his name. So now the book we selected is this African-American author writing about Ezra Jack Keats. Oh, Oh, it's so beautiful. And I think it's the the intersection of African-American and Jewish. And it is an amazing book. And she writes this Story about Ezra jack Pete's life about his parents and why they migrated from Poland, yeah, why they migrated during World War two they migrated from Poland to New York, and Ezra's life as he you know goes about and how he ended up writing this historical book it is it, it's all uh, I'm getting goosebumps because it's one of my favorite books, and it shows again the diversity within cultures, you know, and I, I was very intent in making sure that the books we selected did not just talk about the Holocaust or people overcoming the because I want to make sure, and that's my approach with a lot of books, that the stories that we share don't just show people's pain or them overcoming pain. You know, it's important. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Don't get me yeah. It's important. I want to be clear. (laughs) But we should have all types of stories Mm -hmm. in our libraries. Another book that we selected for Poland is The Family with Two Front Doors, I think is the name of the book. And it's our middle grade book. And it tells the story of this Jewish family in Poland in, I think, in the 1920s, before World War II. Uh, and it's this family with like nine kids, so they had to get two apartments next to each other. Anyway, so I, I I could go, I I could talk about books all day, but just to show you an example of how important that diversity within stories is is to our company. Now, do
0: you get involved yourself personally in the choosing of many of these books? Yes. Oh, what fun that must so be! So
1: fun. <laughs> Oh, I can only, I just think this sounds amazing. It's funny sometimes. I, I think I I said it early on. I grew up in Nigeria and I had the Coke bottle glass. I was that kid with the book inside my textbook. And I think like, oh, 10 year old Boonie is going to be like, wow, you're really right. cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I read all the books because I think it's important as the the founder of this company that I know what I'm sending your oh. child, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I include, there's a note to parents that we include in every box because I think it's important for you to know what your child is reading. Mm-hmm. And it's even more important with our young adult category because we address upfront if there's anything controversial in the book or something you, you need to talk to your child about because a lot of this book set in different parts of the world. There are some really harsh yeah, events yeah, that this yeah. yeah that's the reality you mm-hmm. know. So, but I think kids can handle it if you talk to them you know with the right tools in place. Absolutely. Um, because sometimes I think it and I'm like yeah that happened you know a 13 year old is going to read this book but guess what that happened to a 10 year old. So,
0: Oh, I think it's
1: critical that
0: Uh, our kids aren't raised in bubbles. I mean, I think that's part of understanding and being able to have a broader perspective on Uh, what is going on. And I think it just opens their hearts to be more empathetic, you know, when you're listening and I don't know, just meeting people and realizing I don't know about you, but I talk to my kids all the time about, I'm like, you don't know what somebody else is going through. Like Mm. you can't know all the things. And, you know, whenever you're interacting with somebody, whether it's on social media and it feels kind of arm's length or whatever, I'm like, you don't know. And you need to be mindful of that, that people could have had very horrific things either currently or in their past, that impact what they're doing. And I think, I mean, really teaching empathy very intentionally, but I think your type of teaching, it's how it all begins.
1: Mm -hmm. And there are studies that show it. You know, there are plenty of studies out there that show that kids who are exposed to different cultures, you know, end up being more empathetic and compassionate. Absolutely. you know and and speaking we were talking about the danger of the single story earlier on and showing diversity that's one of the reasons why one of one of the criteria when we're selecting books is sometimes we select books that 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 show kids being just regular kids a right. child in india or in nigeria or wherever just being a regular kid they're not being a hero they're not saving their village they're not <laughs> You know, like,
0: right. like doing just, all these crazy things that sometimes poor kids, I feel so bad sometimes because I'm right. like, uh, you don't have to like, you know, make a rocket ship by the time you're 15 to consider yourself a smart
1: kid who probably right. go on to yeah. be a rocket scientist. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's why these Captain Underpants the and Dogman series, that's why they're so popular because they're just kids being, up to mischief and having adventures. And so again, you know, not to discount books that uh, tell imp- um, inspirational stories. Those are important. But w- the books that are also important, a kids just goofing off, kids of color, just goofing off. Right. You know, and so they're now I'm like, why don't I have a stack of books here? I usually, <laughs> you know, there's a book, one of my favorites. It's called Planet Omar, and it's set in London when we explore the United Kingdom. And it's this mischievous boy, you know, who happens to be Pakistani, who happens to be Muslim, just going on adventures. And it's set in that graphic novels yeah. style, like Captain Underpants. So. Those are one of my, some of my favorite books, kids just being regular kids, families just being regular families who happen to be Indian American family or who happens to be, you know, a Chinese family, you know, and that way, you know, we learn about their culture, but those are the books that resonate with other kids, you know, and that way they see the humanity, they connect with, oh, Jack is just like me. He loves soccer. He just happens to be Chinese. And, you know, does that make sense? It completely does. And I think that
0: it just is going to open the eyes of so many children. I mean, I want to get your boxes (laughs) into the hands of every single child. I mean, imagine how the world would look different. I mean, really like I sit here and you talk about your goosebumps, the impact you can have and this business can have on the world. If children get that kind of training so intentionally where they're building those empathetic skills and that compassion, imagine how different our world could look. If every child had that and had that opportunity. I mean, it's kind of life changing to think about.
1: Wow. Yeah. And, and kudos to, you know, the publishers and the authors and the illustrators, you know, that are pumping out these stories. I, I, I was telling, I think I was in another interview or something. And I said, if you want to, you don't have to go to like the Louvre to expose your child to art from different parts of the world. You right. just have to pick up a picture book, you know? And I have some beautiful picture books here that are illustrated by artists from, you know, Iran, artists from, there's an artist from South Africa, like, and you just see, there's one that actually in March, well, I guess I haven't said it, but I'll say in March, we're exploring Peru and Argentina. And so we're finalizing the selection from March. And this picture book is stunning. And it was illustrated by a Peruvian lady. So you get, your child gets to see art from all over the world because an artist is going to bring their culture and their experiences to that art, you know? So it's, uh, I, 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 you know, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, oh gosh, I just feel so blessed (laughs) and lucky to be doing this because I am having a blast.
0: How did you decide to start this? Like what was the the seed for you that started yeah. this?
1: Yeah, so we uh, let's see. We have been in this house since 2016. So we moved to our current home about 5 years ago and we moved from a neighborhood that was super diverse. Mm -hmm. to a neighbor the neighbor we are in now that's not as diverse and it's i love my neighborhood it's fantastic you know i'm glad we moved here but that was just the reality and in fact my son's class he was in fourth grade then he was the only black boy in the whole class you know and so my husband and i were just determined that okay you're in this environment where you're a significant minority. We want you all to have a strong sense of self. Again, why it's important for kids to see themselves represented, because it helps build self-identity. Absolutely. And so we wanted you know, them to have that and to continue to learn more about their Nigerian heritage. So we started a book club in our house. <laughs> it was, that's how it started. It was, you know, just me and my friends and, uh, you know, uh, a family in the neighborhood. So it was a diverse group of kids, about 10 of us. And every month, we did this for about a year. Every month, we would I would select a book set in a different African country. So we started with African countries. And yeah, we would just meet and discuss. We were doing middle grade books then. And I just started buying all these different picture books set in different parts of Africa. And I was, it was a challenge finding them. This is crazy. Like, can I get a book? That's not about a random African village, like what's going on, but that's how it started. And then eventually we started reading books set in different parts of the world. And yeah. And then uh, the other half of the story is, the kids at the elementary school, they had guest reader days where mm-hmm. you could come in and be a guest reader. And so I worked from home. So it was easy to go during my lunch break. And when I went, I would take a book from our diverse library. And so I would go to this class where it's mostly, you know, white kids right. and read a book set in Bokina Faso, you know, and, and, I love this. and they loved it. They loved it in the sense that I didn't realize how much they are yearning. They were yearning from stories different from their own. And one event that happened, I'll never forget. My youngest was in kindergarten. So I took one of the fr- and I remember because it was one of the first books that I, you know, used to take with me. It's This book set in Nigeria about, you know, why this, um, I can't even remember the title of the book, but it's this village that we're eating from the sky, like the clouds were food and they just get, got greedy and kept eating. And they, you know, the sky got angry and the sky moved up. That's why the sky is so far away. It's based on a folktale. So anyway, I took that book in to the kindergarten class and I read it. The kids loved it. Fantastic. About a year and a half later, I go back to the same class because my, my, The son then was now in second grade and I take a totally different book and I read. And there was a little boy that raised his hand and he was like, "Uh, Shay's mom. And I was like, yeah, he's like, next time you come, can you bring that book? I was like, what book? He was like, you know, the one about the sky. I was like, you remember that book? Crazy. I was so he's like, yeah, can you bring that? And I was like, wow, I read that book to him. like a year and a half ago. And it made that much of an impression on him. So anyway, so that's how it started. And eventually I, for a number of reasons, decided to turn it into a business and just build this, this, you know, immersive experience. And yeah, the rest is history. That is
0: amazing. Gosh, it is so inspirational to listen to your story and to listen to what you're doing with the Atlas book club. I just I'm fascinated by it. And I think it is such an amazing thing. And we'll, we will make sure to put your contact information in our, like the comments Mm -hmm. and the notes. But if you want to tell people, how can they reach you? Like, how can we get a subscription to the Atlas book club?
1: Absolutely. Go to atlasbookclub.com. You can select any of the subscription packages you can get a pass box. and i I cannot get off without talking about Black History Month cause I'm oh, so yeah. excited. <laughs> we have a February box it is a special Black History Month edition. Last year, the theme was music. We explored like Black history and music in this book selections. And this month we're exploring, uh, we're calling it Black Girl Magic. And this is why I can't wait. Oh my gosh. I, I cannot wait for people to get it. Because we have selected books that have girls. And well, one of them is a boy characters. But they're books that are fantasy books, futuristic and magical realism. Because it's not very often that you see characters of color, right, in these fantasy realm type of books. And so that's what we've selected for everyone. So you can sign up like now because we're going to sell out. I keep telling people we're going to sell out of this because it's so fantastic. So that's what we have. But then we also have a sale starting on, well, February 1st, where we're putting all our boxes that have a girl cat, a black girl has the main character from our past boxes is going to be on sale for $35.
0: Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
1: So you get about four, $5 off, I think. Yeah. So that's uh, an opportunity for you to explore boxes. So
0: that is just, I mean, it is such an awesome, awesome program. I really, sometime you and I are going to have to connect offline because I want to figure out how to get your boxes into every homeschool group that I was involved in. Because- yes.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it.
0: An amazing opportunity. And I mean, in schools, could you imagine
1: if schools... That's what we want to do. That's where we're going. I'm happy to talk about that anytime. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Well, because it's funny when you
0: mentioned your son. I mean, we had that same situation coming from New Orleans. We moved to Minnesota. So Mm -hmm. once the hurricane, you know, we evacuated to Georgia, but then we decided rural Georgia wasn't for us. So we moved to Minnesota. Well, when my son went to his sixth grade class in Mm -hmm. just suburban, you know, Minneapolis, he was like, where are the kids of color in this school? And the principal was like, well, we have four people. And he was like, what are you talking about? Four? He goes, you mean in my class? And they were like, no, in the school. In the
1: whole school, yeah.
0: He was horrified. I mean, you know, coming from New Orleans, I mean, it's a very different community. I mean, it is much more diverse. And so he was
1: just like, okay, this is going to be weird yeah. Like, and so, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with parents who find themselves in that situation. This is what, what I love about, you know, technology. Right. So first, of course, you have this Book Club, but Netflix has so many, I mean, there are different ways to right. bring that culture in, you know, you can definitely travel to neighboring communities and experience uh, that that's the unfortunate thing. Well, one of the unfortunate things about the pandemic, because, you right. know, there was a lot of opportunities for like book festivals and cultural festivals and opportunities from for people to learn from each other's cultures, you know. So hopefully the world opens back up soon so we can get back to that. But there are other ways, you know, I, I plug Netflix all the time because they just yeah. have amazing, amazing shows, Thank even you. international, you oh, know, yeah. shows where you can learn about different cultures. TikTok for Kids who are allowed to have the app, you know, um, one of my friends, she loves TikTok. So she's always sending me this, you know, stuff. And so, but the people you follow on social media is important too, as an adult, because guess what? Your kids are standing over your shoulder looking at what you're scrolling through. Absolutely. You know? And that has been a conversation started. I was scrolling through, you know, one um, Instagram feed where it was, um, I think a first nations or native American lady. And so she was explaining some of the culture and my daughter, and she had her traditional outfits on. And my daughter was like, Oh, what's that? And then that started a conversation, you know, so inviting all these different resources into your home, only opens the door for them. And the trick is, you're doing all that to just ignite their curiosity. Really? You know, that's it. And so that way, they're like, oh, that's interesting. I want to learn more. Exactly. You know?
0: Well, yeah. And it just enriches their whole world. I mean, I think it, it enriches our whole world. You know, I mean, every time I learn about somebody else's culture, I'm completely fascinated. You know, I'm one of those people that gets engrossed, and you know, I want to know everything. Like, right, same here. (laughs) Like with your grandma. I always think grandmas are like the key to the culture. Yes. I want to know what your grandma did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to top it off, our kids are going to, so I don't know, it's 10, my youngest is 10, in about 15, 20 years. That's going to put us at 2040. You know, the world is going to be so much more globally diverse. They're going to enter a workforce that's more globally diverse than ever, than ever. So it's important that we give them the tools to be able to perform as effective adults and employees for the future, you know, and we do that by igniting that curiosity. So they have, the information and the sensitivity to, you know, know, oh, this person looks South Asian. They may be Indian or from Bangladesh or Pakistani. Like just giving them enough information so that they can have that cultural competency, which employers are looking for, actually, so.
0: And I think being able to be open enough, I think one of the things I find in some circles of other, you know, white women who look like me, they are nervous about showing what they don't know or asking mm-hmm. questions. And I don't know, I'm kind of comfortable in being my dumb self. Like there's times mm-hmm. that I just need to ask questions. And I think the more we learn about different cultures, the more comfortable we are realizing, I mean, you can't know everything about, no. I mean, it's impossible. And you have to ask questions and you have to be open to hearing those answers, even if some of those answers are maybe we didn't ask the question right, or maybe there's more things we need to learn. But I mean, you've got to start the conversation
1: somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the only way forward. It really is. Yeah, I think so, too. I really appreciate your time
0: today. This was fun. It was awesome talking to you. And of course, I'm going to go on and order boxes already today for my team members, because I think they'll really appreciate that. You know, they I have all different kids on our team, different ages. So it's awesome. So I really appreciate your time. And I would love to talk to you again sometime, because really, I think getting your boxes in the hands of every child would just make such a difference in our world. I mean, I appreciate the
1: support. Thank you for having me. I can talk about books all day. So this was a lot of fun.
0: Yes, well, me too. I love books. Will you enjoy the rest of your day? And I can't wait to see what your February box looks like. I think Black Girl Magic is gonna be awesome.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Bye everyone. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.